so much joy. I'm just like, I'm bubbling. So the, uh, the theme, as already stated for the night, is reunion. Uh, for, for many of us that uh, have been part of Young Urban Zen for longer or shorter times, it's a sort of reunion with each other. And we'll dig into some, we'll dig into some practices. Uh, actually, actually turn us toward a reunion with our hearts. Whether or not we've been part of Young Urban Zen for any time at all, if it's your first time here, welcome, you're among friends, or welcome back. Um, a lot has changed um, in the last two years, two years or so. About a year ago, I started leading Young Urban Zen, uh, inheriting it from the, the people before. Uh, and just a brief introduction, uh, for those of you who don't yet know me, I'm a priest that uh, trains next door. Um, in, an, in addition to leading Young Urban Zen, also I train in the Theravada tradition uh, as a, uh, a teacher trainee now with Gil Fransdahl and Andrea Fela. So um, I'm always looking at the central, like having, a, having a, a view in two traditions. One thing I'm always trying to be clear about what it is that I'm teaching from when I'm, when I'm teaching. You know, I don't want it to be confusing. And the other thing is, um, I always have this priority on what frees, more so than like what is dogmatic, one, one side or, one, or the other. I'm always, always sensitive to what frees. That's my one minute introduction. Um, something about coming back together, something about being in a room together, it reminded me of sometime when I go home to see my family, um, when I was about 20, I moved out of the town where my family uh, raised me. And then not long after, no, 10 years after that, I moved to California. So I don't get together with them all that often. So most of my contact happens by telephone. But there's a way that when I go home, this is kind of personal, my mom, one of her, one of her first things that she'll do is she'll take her hands and like hold my head in her hands like this. Does any other mothers do this, you know? She'll hold my head like this, and she'll look right in, and she can tell more about how I'm doing in those 20 seconds than if we had spent an hour on the telephone. You know, we we have the the eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, body-to-body transmission, you know? And that's something of what I feel about being back together in Yergrim and Zen. Not that I'm like going to gaze at all of you. <laughs> uh, but um, there's a way that I, we're communicating with each other in a way that we can't uh, in, other, in other forms. Yeah, I thought uh, recently reading the Platform Sutra and Huynang talks about how um, sometimes the light of the sun will be blocked by the clouds and we can't see it. But even when we can't see the clouds, the sun in the sky is shining. So how can we say we've ever been apart from each other? I also recently learned that lions will sort of spread out, their pride will spread out and then they'll come, they'll reunite. Coolest thing I learned about lions and reuniting 
Their roar could be heard from here to the Bay Bridge. Four kilometers, two and a half miles. We have email. We could like send out the Dharma roar and reassemble our pride. Feels really good. So it's a celebration. And some of what I'm hoping, uh, what some of what I'm hoping we can do is to take that the like bubbly, jazzy, zesty energy of reunion and um, channel it into both connection and channel it into um, these focused areas of practice. And spoiler alert, what I'm thinking about really is in response to the fact that I imagine that for some of us, at least some of the time in the last many months, there's been a drifting from oneself or a drifting from one's practice at some, at some point. You know, so some, of, um, some of us have a lot of physical support of like a building and a sangha. And, um, but I found myself reaching for all kinds of supports I usually don't or I usually didn't. Like I started doing a lot more guided meditations uh, because sitting silently alone was really hard, you know? And I've heard, I've heard reports from other folks like, oh, it's been really hard to sit zazen. It's been really hard to meditate. So in the same way that like when we meditate and our attention moves away from the breathing, we bring it back with kindness, but we bring it back deliberately and sort of firmly. And what I'm going to suggest are sort of three working grounds where we can take all this reunion energy and bring, right, bring, bring it back to a focal point for our practice. So... So the first is this working ground of generosity, this working ground of dana, the path of dana. It's giving. So simple. So simple. I remember plucking a, plucking a little white flower out of, my, out of my lawn after I'd been playing yard football all day with my brother and taking it and giving it to my dad. You know, just that little innocent act of giving. It's a little more complicated as we age and claim things, I think. But the imp- basic impulse is the same. In the, in the Dharma, there are three kinds of giving, the material giving, food, shelter, clothing, um, medicine. There's the giving of Dharma, which uh, the Buddha says is the highest, the highest of all things to give. I think for all of us, something, the way that we can do this is by giving Dharma friendship to each other. When you, when you meet with others and talk about your practice, or, meet with, or even, even if you're not talking about your practice, something I learned living residentially, just knowing that someone else is on the path, when those two beings come together, that's an encouragement to the practice. That's the gift of Dharma. Material dana. Uh, the dana of dharma. And then we say that bodhisattvas on this path, practitioners on this path, are giving the gift of fearlessness. That sounds aspirational to me. 
more than it sounds actual all the time. Uh, being hardwired for fear, like I think many of us are. Um, there's a spin on this. The giving the gift of fearlessness doesn't mean I'm never afraid. What it does mean is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conduct myself as best I know how so that I don't harm you and you don't have to fear me. So I'm giving the gift of fearlessness to you. Not the gift of fearlessness because I'm not afraid of anything. I think one of the, one of the strengths of uh, dana, the giving practice as a working ground, as a place to come back and channel this reunion energy, is that it nourishes relationship. It makes bonds. Uh, when I started working across the street five years ago, I started working in the admin building over here. And uh, this tall, tall priest with a very loud voice was my supervisor. I'd known him, I'd known him for some years, and I wasn't sure how the relationship was going to go. My first week, so simple, he gave me five pairs of pants. He had a bunch of pants that he wasn't going to wear, and he was like, hey, I want you to have these. <laughs> Try them on. If you want them, they're yours. If not, give them, uh, pay it forward. And something clicked. It was like, oh, it, it changed the timbre of the relationship, that little act of giving. A little bit more personally, the moment that I knew that my now wife was actually my friend and not a stranger was when we were at Tassajara and she had arranged for a special diabetic-friendly tea treat to be delivered to me rather than a cookie that was going to everyone else that I wouldn't be able to eat. It was like just something that said, oh, I see you, I care. Here's a little, here's this thing. Here's this thing, so simple, you know? The flower. So the way it nourishes relationship, I think that's one of the strengths of having dana, having giving as a working ground that you come back to. And one of the reasons I want to encourage, that is uh, one of the three um, for you to consider taking up. Last thing I'll say about dana, about giving, it feels good. And don't miss it. If you give something, don't miss the goodness. Don't miss the enjoyment of it. The, that, that moment of intention and handing over and open-handedness, check in with the body, check in with the mind and the heart. And like, you, have, you have my full encouragement to relish that as much as you like, because actually that strengthens the circuitry. So... Dana, giving, strengthens connection, which very naturally leads into the second working ground, and that is the training in virtue. When I feel connected to you through dana, through giving, then naturally the impulse to not harm comes forward. And that is the, that's the basic principle behind the training in virtue. The way that this kind of works, at least in my understanding, we can talk about sila as... Um, the cultivation of virtues, cultivation of inner virtues, by way of restraining ourselves from harmful behavior. It's this combination of restraint and growth. 
that's the training in, in sila, in virtue, as I understand it. Um, for example, I train in, uh, to, take the, to take examples from the precepts, I train in seeing you as an equal by refraining from praising myself at the expense of others. It's like I, I train in meeting you eye to eye by not puffing myself up with my language. So I, res I restrain from that as a commitment to the precepts and that virtue grows in me. Or in the case of giving, I, I, uh, I refrain or restrain myself from the impulses, the impulses of possessiveness. And that cultivates the virtue of generosity in me. So an image that kind of works for this practice, if you imagine your practice as uh, the energy of your practice is like a stream. It's headed downhill. There's a lot of current, whitewater rapids, and it's headed toward the ocean of freedom. These harmful behaviors, these ways we hurt others, uh, they, it's like of the stream, they dig out these side channels and the energy of our practice gets diverted. And the current of the, like one, one side channel, diversion, 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 diversion. And the strength, of the, the strength of the river can no longer reach the ocean. But when we recommit ourselves to re, this, these sorts of restraint, it's like we're, we're rebuilding those little uh, side channels, closing them up so the, the current of practice can continue to flow. Something I always like to say about sila or the practice in virtue is it doesn't require a whole bunch of self-shame. It's somewhere between shame and shamelessness. And I think one of the strongest benefits of a, of a clear, clearly articulated commitment to sila is that it makes for continuous mindfulness and continuous practice throughout the day. Because if I'm walking through my life with these reference points, I'm always going to be getting a little ping when I see, oh, I see the impulse to possessiveness. Oh, I've committed to uh, abandoning it. I, uh, I see the impulse actually to, to indulge anger and say something, say something hurtful to this person. That pops up, and instantly I have the, I have the uh, commitment of kind speech pop up in my mind. I actually think there's quite a big danger in the development of wisdom without sila. If we go too far in the practice of meditation without a, without a cultivation of virtue and ethics, um, yeah, I don't think we have to look far for instances of harm. And yet, the path of meditation is sort of self-correcting, if it's healthy. I wanted to tell you briefly about the, the, moment, the moment that I realized that to me, the practice of sila was an important one. And it was while I was on meditation retreat. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there in silence. Things are going, are going along pretty well, a few days in. And then what I start to receive, I don't know if anyone else has ever done this. It's like I get, I, I see the movie and feel the feelings of all the hurtful things that I've ever done in my life. It was like, one after the next after the next. It was like they just played. I wasn't looking for them. But the, the process of purification of the retreat had sort of taken the lid off. An 
all of these skeletons in my closet just came right out and I was like, wow. Now I see the connection between my, like how I behave and how my heart can settle or not. And after that retreat, I, I, uh, I made a resolve and I, I made a lot of apologies. I wrote a lot of letters. And then was freed of a lot of that regret. And then the heart and the mind could settle all that much more. One more thing about the practice of sila. We recommit to it together. And it's like it sews the fabric of the community back together. When we state to each other, ah, these are our commitments. Uh, It's so important to the Buddhist practice that we do it in ritual form. We do it in abbreviated form almost every day when we avow and take refuge. And then monthly we'll recite our ethical commitments. So with the connection that I've already stated to meditation, you can sort of see where the working ground of generosity leads into the working ground of sila, leads into the working ground of, med- of meditation, to bhavana, and cultivation. So this is the Zen school. Meditation gets a lot of play, a lot of airtime. Um, yeah, we talk about it a lot. We have a sort of heritage in the Zen school of uh, the ability to awaken suddenly. Like the ability to wake up to a, a moment of lucid, free awareness in a moment. Just cut through delusion. Isn't that exciting? It's inspiring, I think. Uh, that led me to the Platform Sutra, because that's where some of these ideas come from. I was really interested to get into some of the nuance of that. And the way I understood Hui Nang, who's, who's teaching the Platform Sutra, was that at any given moment, you can direct the mind in a wholesome way, and your world becomes heaven. Any given moment, you can direct the mind in an unwholesome way, and the world becomes hell. And hopefully we have agency there. So we have this, we have this inheritance of like sudden cutting through. What also, like right alongside that, is the, the long practice of cultivation and maturity. We have things like the five ranks. We have things like the jewel mirror samadhi um, or the acupuncture needle of zazen. And uh, even right back there in the platform sutra, there's discussion of like we cultivate and develop and then we suddenly cut through. It's like it comes by surprise. Didn't even see it coming around the corner. Something I appreciate about the working ground of bhavana is it's so versatile, the working ground of cultivation. We have such a wealth of practices that we can work with. We can dedicate ourselves to metta practice. We can dedicate ourselves to dogen zazen exclusively, if you want to do that. Um, Yeah, you can dedicate dedicate yourself to gratitude practice. There's a former abbot who went, first thing he would do every morning He'd wake up, put his feet on the ground, put his hands together, and just say, gratitude. And that was his cultivation. Or something as basic as mindfulness of postures throughout the day. What I think the promise of bhavana, in addition to sort of like learning to incline our hearts and minds, is that it brings us back into integrity with 
all things, in fact. Not just people. Everything. Anything that can arise in awareness. A reunion. Coming back into integrity. It's profound. One of the ways I would suggest if uh, suggest practicing if this this working ground of bhavana is appealing to you is for a period of time, three months, six months, just pick one of the many meditation practices out there. Just one. And really go deep. Just like dedicate yourself to doing that one for a set amount of time and be clear with yourself about how long. And I highly recommend doing that in relationship with a teacher who you can like report, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is how it's going. And then you can get some guidance from, from, uh, from that meeting. But yeah, really going deep. I don't think you would have to practice any one of these for very long to see that each supports the other. Practice and generosity clearly develops the, the goodwill and uh, impulse to non-harming. That's the basis of sila. And the sort of settledness of mind that comes from sila clearly is a foundation for meditative practice. Not only, do they, not only do they support each other, but it's like they build momentum upon one another. And I think you might find that if you, if you pick up one of these working grounds as a place to come back to for the next months, weeks, you'll find that it builds momentum over time. And like, as we feed the stream, the stream gets stronger. To give one last illustration about how, just to make these a little bit more concrete, or uh, some way, if you're thinking about dedicating some energy to any one of these working grounds, any one of these paths, one of the ways that I incorporate each of them into my life. The practice of dana. two things I want to share. One, I always keep a can of food in my glove box, and I look for opportunities to give it away. So simple. But uh, there's, there's clearly a need. Like, that moment is so juicy. And then I was feeling particularly inspired. And I had the inspiration that for every meal that I eat, I wanted to give one away. I was surprised when I looked into organizations that work uh, in hunger that it's really not very expensive. For like $20, you can cover every meal that you, that you take. So there's an organization called Action Against Hunger that, uh, that I donate to. And what, you know, having, a, having an automatic donation, it's like it's good when you give it, but I have to remember. It's like I have to stop and remember every time I take a meal and go, oh, yes. <laughs> this was a wholesome thing. And like let that sink in. With the working ground of sila, with the path of sila, one of the things I do is I wear this. This is my promise that I won't hurt you. It's the, it's the robe that our teacher, we sew it and then our teacher gives it to us when we make a commitment to the precepts. Not just fashionable. <laughs> but actually, it, 
um, not only a signal to you, but it's also a reminder to me. Um, after, I guess I've been, I've been wearing these things for, I don't know, maybe 11 years, something like that. After, after that much gradual development, I find that when I put one on, the posture of my heart will shift. I don't know what that's about, but it's working. So that's the working ground of Siva for me. And then the working ground of Bhavana is what I've already, already described. It's like regular dedication to one meditation practice, and then I work on it with a teacher. It's like, this is what I'm up to. Let's get to work. So, closing principle, simplicity is best. We can say a lot in 20 minutes about a lot of practices. But I love this story of uh, 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 Buddha walking with the assembly and uh, points to the ground and says, this would be a great place for a temple. And Indra, Lord of the gods, picks up a single blade of grass and puts it in the earth. Just a simple blade of grass. Puts it in the earth and says, the sanctuary is built. <laughs> simple. Just Simple. So you, you could take that and think, all right, if there's one, one of these working grounds I want to pick up, what's one simple thing I could do this week? So my hope is that actually in the, say, the next six months or so, just to share with you a little bit of vision, I've been really excited about visioning yes in these last, mo- last months. Um, is that we actually have, the, have many sanghas within the sangha, like little pods within the larger yas community that have affinity for certain practices. And it's like, all right, we're going to, like, those of us who are really into this dana, this giving thing, let's think of informal ways we can be together and encourage each other in our practice. Or those of us who are really into meditation for these six months, let's really get into this. Um, I haven't fully fleshed out the vision of that quite yet, but to let sort of like put the vision out there in the universe and like see what see what Yaz brings back—that's something I'm very interested in. Um, and I I can I can envision that going all sorts of ways, but all of them are beautiful. So may it be. May it be that our reunion energy is channeled into a reunion with our practice. Yeah, we, can, we can come back to these specific working grounds with kindness, with clarity, and uh, come home to our hearts, come home to our community, come home to the Dharma. Thank you very much. <laughs>